0: Welcome to the Backside Bus podcast. At Backside Bus, we will cover technology news, we'll do reviews, and we'll talk about how technology is shaping our future. We want to talk about the consoles in your home, the phones in your pocket, the computer in your bag, and the companies behind them all. So sit back, grab your pen, give it a vape. You're listening to Backside Bus. Welcome to Backside Bus. This week is a bit of a special episode. Uh, it's special in that uh, you don't have to listen to Buck. He's not on. He's not on the episode. Uh, it's a win for you. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to. Uh, you get to listen to me. Um, no, it's 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 special in that it's not just Buck and I bullshitting about technology. This week we've got an interv- interview for you. Um, we. When I started Backside Bus, uh, when I started putting the, the groups together and I started figuring out what we should be and what I want to cover, I always wanted to to include interviews because I'm interested in not just the device itself or the service itself. I want to talk about how technology is shaping our lives. Um, I think it's actually in the intro. Um, I want to I talk about how there are people whose lives are entirely built around platforms that most people just view as fun. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, TikTok, increasingly. There's people who's, whose entire job is to be an internet personality. I think it's really cool. Uh, you want to talk about being your own boss. That's It's like the American dream, but it's a dream that didn't even exist, arguably, before the first iPhone. I mean, really, that's when it, it really started becoming sort of a reality. And then not even then until, you know, four years later when the app store got mature and that kind of thing. So this week we're sitting down with one of those Internet personalities. Uh, we're talking with Nos or Nas Hyena, depending on where you find him. He is a furry YouTuber. Uh, if you're not familiar with furry YouTube, it's a fun hole to fall down down into. But really, I'm less interested in the content itself and and more interested how technology has enabled uh this this person in particular nos um to do what he loves uh to build an audience around the the globe um by just pulling the the phone out of his pocket and shooting a couple of videos it's more complicated than that i know i'm i'm kind of reducing it a little bit but i really want to find out what what it's like to live full-time as a YouTuber or full-time as a, as a social influencer. So we are going to be talking with NOS. Uh, I previously recorded this. So this intro is after the, the conversation already happened. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. I, I hope you, you do as well. Uh, we get into things like what kind of uh, hardware NOS is using to create his content. Um, what he is, views as important um, on the hardware side, what he views as not so important, um, how he prepares to, to make his videos, and, and some of the struggles with, with being an online personality in general. So um, without further ado, uh, we're going to just kick it off into the interview. Uh, I hope you enjoy. My first question is, who are you?
1: So I am Nos, I go by Nos Hyena on the internet, um, first name David, but um, most people know me as Nos. Um, I'm a content creator, uh, I do YouTube as my profession, catered towards the furry community, which is an art and costuming community. Um, it's a community that's disproportionately queer. Um, a lot of creative people are fairly young in demographics, um, a lot of people in their 20s. So. Um, What I primarily do as my occupation is make videos catering for this furry community. I do skits, vlogs, uh, music videos on my YouTube channel. And um, I don't know, I spend a lot of time on social media. That's how most people who know of me have come across me is by finding one of my social media profiles. So yeah, Nos Hyena, that's my name.
0: Well, it, thanks for, thanks for joining us, Nas. Uh, how long have you been, uh, full-time? How long have you been doing this as your profession?
1: Pretty much this year. Um, I've been putting videos on the internet since, gee, 2006. So I've really been in the YouTube ecosystem for a long time. And for most of that time, I don't think I even got over like 20 subscribers on any channel. Um, but there were other places since 2006 where I was putting out content: Newgrounds, Fanfiction.net. These are some, I guess, blast from the past sort of Web 1.0 websites, I guess. So I've been I've been putting out content for a long time, um, but getting traction. I've been getting it since about early 2017, uh, where I started hit the thousands, and now my um, YouTube channel is sitting at about 90,000 subscribers, which is Just really surreal. And um, I guess this is the year that I've really started to try and monetize and um, go for making a living. So, um, yeah, it's been quite a wild and crazy journey since um, 2017, but it's been a lot of fun.
0: I'm really interested in the aspect that your hobby uh, became your career. Um, I grew up as a giant nerd, Mm -hmm. Um, that was like (laughs) how I was known. And I loved building computers, I loved technology, I loved helping people with computers. And so my first career was IT help desk. And eventually I found myself uh, disliking computers because for me it was just work. So I'd get home and I would avoid anything to do with technology. I'm wondering um, for you, since you've you've made this a larger part of your career, um, have you found any, have you felt any of that? Have you felt any of the, um, blending of your, your hobby plus your career has had any, um, stress, I guess in your life?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. What's that idiom? Maybe I'm using the wrong idiom, but there's an idiom that's like, don't shit where you eat. Maybe I'm using the wrong one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. is, Is that it? Yeah. But it's, it's basically like, um, I don't know if, if you do what you love every single day, it, you stop loving it or something like that. That's, I guess what the idiom means. Um, For me, being a YouTuber was never like the number one dream job. Um, So a bit of context, uh, the furry community, um, it's a lot of the uh, fandom or the communities based around um, costuming. So putting on, you know, custom animal costumes, full body animal costumes that look like mascots. um, And, In my own YouTube channel, I have my own costumes that I wear and I play characters. So my dream job as a kid was actually to be a mascot. And I was actually fortunate enough to do that for a couple of years. And that was a lot of fun. Now, that's an aside. Um, With YouTube, YouTube was never my dream career. It's always been a job that I thought, hey, it's going to be really fun to be a YouTuber. But it was never like my number one passion in life. Maybe about number 10 in terms of lists of dream jobs. So I think I've been fortunate enough where there's kind of a separation from my biggest passions in life and what I do for work. So I just see YouTube as a very fun job, but um, I'm also not thinking about it all the time. I have other interests outside of content creation. So that's, I guess, been a way of managing the stress. Um, Now, I do know of other YouTubers who do feel the stress of you know, making videos and, um, them finding it extremely fun at the start, but then struggling to find the enjoyment afterwards. Once there's all the, you know, pressures of making a living, how do I monetize this? Um, and anecdotally I've seen the enjoyment of that, um, go down in people. And personally I have found parts, um, of my YouTube journey where I have enjoyed it less, but generally I've been trying to just follow the fun in my content. Um, just create videos that I can really enjoy while I'm making it. And um, that's being able to make it a very fun and rewarding career at the moment.
0: Yeah. I I think you, you struggle maybe with it more with, with things like um, I work at a restaurant, so I go there and I cook at the restaurant and I come home and then I still need to eat myself. Mm -hmm. So I have to get out all the same equipment. I have to do exactly what I Mm -hmm. did all day. Right. It's kind of the same thing for me with uh, with uh, computers. Was I use one all day, I fix them all day, and I'd get home and like I'd try to turn mine on, and my monitor would blow or some sort of issue, right? And I was like, "Well, fuck this! I'm so sick of fixing computers," and it would just sit there, (laughs) right? So for you you don't have that you don't have to go home and immediately put on a costume
1: right right i i don't need to put on a costume to for sustenance but um i i can see how doing something you're very passionate as as a job it takes away some of that novelty you know and um i also got to say though when i when i first started doing uh, youtube videos, um, it was a lot more exciting. I was definitely a little bit more full of um, energy and ideas. And um, I don't think that's completely been depleted, but at the same time, um, when it was purely a hobby, I definitely got more enjoyment out of it. I still really enjoy what I do, but I think the peak enjoyment was right at the start. So that is that is an interesting thing right there. We were
0: talking a little bit before, um, you know, we, we hopped in and Started recording this as to like how much technology has really um, changed in our lifetimes. Um, I'm wondering um, what technology you use, like what on a day-to-day basis, in order to maintain your job at this point. Um, what are some of the key components you could not live without?
1: Yeah, so that's a really um, interesting question. I think for me, I've never been like a huge technology geek. Like um, even though I create videos, film things, and that's my living, I've never been a huge camera geek. Um, I use technology a lot in my day-to-day life, but my approach with using technology is, it's a tool to me, it's um, something that helps me achieve the things that I want to achieve. I've never been caught up in technology fandom. Um, the technology that I use currently, um, I have a MacBook Pro from 2014, so it's still running strong. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great, right? Um, crap, what's, what's the, um, th- there's no planned obsolescence or anything. I think, is that the term? Yeah, there was no planned obsolescence, at least with my, um, laptop. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. A lot
0: of people hold on to their old MacBooks, um, because they just kind of work, um, So, yeah, the MacBook Pro from 2014 is is pretty legit.
1: Yeah, it's still running really strong. And um, I had um, Yosemite running on it, the, um, I guess, Mac version that came with it until this year when I wanted to um, get BlueStacks, which is an Android emulator on my MacBook. And um, the only version that it would run with is High Sierra. So that's now what I'm on. I'm on High Sierra. It was on Yosemite for like five years. So I made do with the default software on the Mac for almost a good five years, which is great. For editing my videos, I actually still use iMovie. So iMovie is the free default software that comes with um, your MacBook. And I've still managed to make that work. Um, I have used Final Cut Pro in the past, which is basically iMovie with more features. But for what I'm trying to do on... YouTube, um, iMovie gets the job done, and then for filming, I've got a Canon Rebel EOS T6 with an eighteen to fifty-five millimeter lens. I'd say it cost me around four hundred and fifty dollars, like the the body and the lenses. That was a Black Friday special, so um, that's what uh, made me make that purchase. I guess I'm a bit of a late adapter when it comes to technology. I tend to use something until it doesn't work anymore and when it breaks that's when i upgrade Um, i'm not the person that's lining up for the latest iphone or the latest you know um macbook uh maybe uh when the youtube channel becomes even more lucrative that might be the case but for right now i'm kind of getting by with what i have and that's sort of a maxim i subscribe to in terms of um content creation
0: i think it's really interesting uh that you have default software and old hardware and you're building a following. It kind of goes against the, the, um, general knowledge that in order for you to be successful, you have to, you know, buy all the studio lights and, and be super professional and, you know, right, right. blah, blah, blah. It, it goes against that because as long as you're putting out good content or content that people want to, to watch. It doesn't really matter if you have the newest laptop or not. It doesn't really matter if you have the newest camera or not. If it's content people want to watch, they'll watch it.
1: Right, right. And I think there's a part of me that enjoys being a little bit of a contrarian when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like, I do think a reason why I haven't upgraded to Final Cut Pro, which objectively is a good idea, it will increase the workflow a little bit. Um, it is a bit of an expensive purchase. I think it's around four hundred bucks. Don't fact check me on that, but it's it's somewhere in that ballpark. I think a reason why I'm sticking with iMovie is so that I can tell people, hey, yeah, you can get to 100,000 subscribers with iMovie. And um, it took me a good six months on YouTube at about maybe 15,000, 20,000 subscribers before I even purchased a camera. I was just using my phone at the time, which it was a Samsung S4, just filming off the camera. So I just used the technology I had. I didn't have an expensive microphone. I didn't have an expensive lighting setup. Um, and I now have some lighting, but I basically went the first one and a half years of my YouTube career without having any proper lighting setup. So in a way, I guess I'm Um, going against a lot of the quote-unquote rules of becoming a YouTuber. You don't need the fanciest technology. I think actually YouTube audiences are fairly forgiving when it comes to um, the technical specs of um, the equipment you use. I think a driving force behind a successful YouTube channel is the content and the personality behind the content. I think those are the things that determine success more than the equipment. Now, having great equipment obviously will only help. uh, But I like the fact that, you know, I'm doing, um, or rather, I like the fact that I'm having some success using technology that's available to most people in the US, I would say.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. I think the way to to build an audience, um, no matter what the platform, generally isn't be the best and then figure out what you're going to do. It's, you know, figure out what you want to do and then be the best at it. Right. So you don't have to like, you don't have to start from scratch with all of the, you know, go out and buy all the fancy Mm -hmm. equipment. Mm -hmm. You, you can just start with, I want to make this cool content. And if people want to watch it, then it'll kind of, the rest of it kind of comes afterwards.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with that uh, approach, you know, um, when I get asked for advice in terms of starting a YouTube channel, I always tell people use what you have. Um, you don't have to go out and buy all that expensive equipment. Now, if it helps you enjoy the hobby and you can afford it, then by all means go ahead. But um, I think my approach with the technology um, in terms of YouTube was also influenced by, I guess, startup culture. Uh, probably about five or six years ago is. Reading a lot of stuff about like startups, you know, I'd read uh, Paul Graham's website a lot, um, and I think the concept of a you know minimal viable product, an MVP, minimum viable product, was very fascinating to me. Just the general ideas of um, you know when you're creating a startup, trying to uh, coming up with an idea, and then seeing if that idea is validated, and then going from there. So going to market with, I guess, the most bare bones version of your product possible and seeing if um, the market responds to that. So I think with um, a YouTube channel, I've kind of taken that approach by just using minimal bare bones technology and seeing if the content that I've been offering has been appealing to people. And very early on, it got validated. And I guess from there, I've just sort of moved on and um, continued to... um, upgrade my technology as I go versus investing in all of it in the start. Because I very well could have, um, you know, started a YouTube channel, had a lot of expensive equipment, but it not really have gone anywhere. So.
0: And then you're defeated, right? Like the, the drive has gone almost immediately. Like what, what am I doing? what am I spending my time doing and all my money doing if no one's going to watch it?
1: Right. Um, yeah. That's a way of looking at it. Um, I, I just think, you know, if, if there's a way to do something for zero dollars, you know, um, <laughs> you might as well do You might as well try out a business idea for zero dollars instead of investing thousands of dollars into it. Um, and I guess when I started my channel, I always had at the back of my mind, this could be something that could turn into a profession, but I didn't go out and blow all my money at once on equipment just in case it didn't work out. So I guess I took the safer approach in my mind. Um, you
0: mentioned that you um, started off with uh, Samsung Galaxy S four. What do you currently carry?
1: So I'm still on Team Samsung for my phones. Um, I have a Galaxy A seven, which is uh, I believe a model that's only available in the Asia Pacific. It has been mistaken for I think the S seven, one of the whatever the most recent model is. It has been mistaken for that. Um, I think they came out with the A seven in about 2016, and um, I don't know I couldn't tell you all the specs but it's you know it's got a nice camera it has it's fast it has a lot of um it has a decent amount of storage um not great on the st- <laughs> not great on the stats for that one but the a7 is what I'm currently on
0: yeah I think that's one of those phones that the U.S. doesn't carry but the U.S. doesn't carry a lot of phones because they're our cell phone carriers have that lockdown. It's really hard to get unlocked devices in the US.
1: Right, right. And I believe I do have an unlocked phone. And um, I learned the hard way, I guess, with locked phones. Um, I think I bought an S3 maybe five years ago, but it was um, linked to T-Mobile. So when I went back to Australia, I had to you know, go through the support system and call the phone company up to try and get them to unlock it for a, another carrier's use. So that was, that was something that was... A new experience for me.
0: I, I find your tech stack uh, really interesting. Um, an Android phone and a MacBook Pro is is a really interesting combination. Um, is there any reason for that other than you prefer Android on and mobile and Mac for your, your desktop OS?
1: Right. So I think I stick with Android for the same reason why I signed up to T-Mobile in 2014 and have just stayed with them. It's just kind of easy to stay on the same sort of phone. You don't have to really learn anything new between versions. And I think a big factor that goes into a technology purchase for myself is just ease of use and cost. So if it's easy to use, um, if I can do the work that I want to do very quickly, um, if the learning curve is small, then that's going to make me want to buy a product. I don't necessarily want to adapt to new technologies. So as I mentioned before, I am a late adopter. So I don't have any voice things in my house currently. I don't have any VR headsets or anything like that. I'm not really looking at the new technologies. I'll be later on that than maybe most people. So it's really ease of use that factors into my um, technology purchasing decisions.
0: You, I know that YouTube is your main platform right? It's where you've you've gained the most traction, probably? Maybe I'm
1: wrong. Oh, yes, correct.
0: Is YouTube your favorite? I know you exist in other places. Is YouTube your favorite place to to spend your time?
1: That's honestly something I haven't really thought about. Um, YouTube is fun. I'm not sure I have a favorite um, app or platform right now. I guess in terms of time-diverted, the place I spend the most time on is Twitter, mainly because... Most of my friends um, in the furry community are on Twitter. That's where most of the socializing goes on. An app I use a lot as well is um, the messaging app Telegram. It's super encrypted, supposedly has very good security. Um, That's an app that a lot of furries use to communicate. I do use YouTube a lot. Um, That's fun, but I do notice that the user base on YouTube um, isn't my favorite at times. For entertainment, I do go on YouTube a lot, and especially since I've become a YouTuber as my profession, I've been going on there for leisure purposes, but also work purposes in the sense of seeing what the current trends are, seeing what's working, what's not working, um, and then other apps that I'm on. I'm on TikTok. TikTok's fun. So TikTok is like, I guess, the spiritual, the spiritual successor to Vine. Um, it is a lot more derivative. So people are uploading uh, clips from you know existing songs or TV shows and then lip syncing over them. There is a lot of original content on there. But I think TikTok is one of my favorite apps right now because um, it's not particularly monetized right now. Like you do have sponsored um, features on there, but I like the fact that there's a lot of content being created on there for the sake of content. And that feels more authentic to me than a lot of things that are being posted on YouTube, which are clearly sort of mining the algorithm for um, likes and views and subscribers. So I would say out of all the apps I use right now, TikTok's probably my favorite. Um, And I'm also on Instagram as well. But I'd say TikTok. That's a long-winded way of answering the question. That's probably my favorite.
0: I used to, for the the same reason... um... You like TikTok was the, the reason I really gravitated towards Instagram myself. Because like I'm not I'm not there to hear about your stories. I don't really want to know what's happening. That makes me sound like an asshole. I don't really want to know what's happening in your
1: life. No, but I, I get that though, because um like Instagram versus even a platform like Facebook. Instagram is mainly pictures. It's not you don't have to read paragraphs and paragraphs. It's so easy to consume, which is why I think it's so popular.
0: I think it reduces some of the drama if if there's not if it's not a text story i have to read through or a post that's really cryptic it's really just a photo of a, a place and a, a a time then i can go oh yeah i appreciate that and scroll to the next one right uh, and it... i think for the for the same reasons like youtube community can sometimes not be super fun to be a part of it gets a little toxic
1: right and um I've seen a lot of articles recently talking about how certain social media platforms thrive on controversy. It's actually good for their bottom line because, you know, you think of the classic sort of argument that goes on on the internet in the last 10 years and it's, you know, usually an argument that takes place on Facebook. Well, that's great for Facebook's bottom line because you keep coming back to the thread. <laughs> I don't do this anymore. I probably did this start of the decade, you know. But um, people get, you know, caught up in these arguments on Facebook and on Twitter and on YouTube, and it keeps them coming back to the site. So I think arguments and drama and toxicity aren't necessarily bad for some platforms. Um, I personally enjoy the TikToks and the Instagrams of the world where it's, um, I guess, less text-based. And for me, I guess that's been making me enjoy those apps more these days.
0: How, how much time do you spend planning your content before you post it? So
1: anywhere from zero seconds to three weeks. Um, so a little bit of background on me. I do have some, um, well, not some, I have a lot of experience doing improv. So improv comedy, like Chicago style, long form improv, which is where like second city type City type stuff. Yeah. And that's really helped me think on my feet. Um, I'm used to being on stage, building scenes and building realities based off not very much information and the whole maxim of yes and. Um, Creating something out of nothing, just kind of exploring an idea to its fullest. So that goes into my content in the sense that um, I don't necessarily need a strong outline to create a video, especially when you can edit out all the bad parts in the editing software afterwards. but there are also videos such as my Jacks Films video where I you know, ask the kind of um, sarcastic question: "Is Jacks Films a furry?" Where I did script it for about you know a good four days, and it took me about a two weeks to plan it out. So my content creation process really varies. It, it depends on the video, but these days it's a lot more stream of consciousness. It's a lot more. Um, I guess what I do these days is I time box a lot more. And, and this is something that you see in, in tech startups where you give yourself a set amount of time to try and create something. And I found what's helped my creativity is, um, giving myself 24 hours or six hours or eight hours, however many hours and saying, what video can I film, edit, and upload in this amount of time? And sometimes there'll be a loose outline. Sometimes I'll just have the camera rolling and just start talking. And sometimes it will be a script. Um, Because I've been creating content for a good 13 years online, um, I don't have one process. I have several different processes that I can draw from, um, and I guess I just pick the one that seems the most fitting for the idea that I have on any, any given day. But the improv definitely helps.
0: I didn't know you had a a background in improv. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So I don't think I was great at it, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I really don't think I was because I never got great notes um, from my teachers in there, but I think I learned a lot from it and it definitely helped um, me in terms of creating content. And um, one thing about Chicago style long form improv is that a lot of people use improv as a way to Come up with funny skits, or um, and a lot of you know modern comedy writers have used improv in their training, or even in fleshing out scripts. So it is a, definitely a handy skill to have as a content creator, whether you're good at it or not.
0: What was the? I don't want to dive too deep into this. I'm really intrigued. Um, what was the goal with with doing improv? What were you trying to just? Improve some skills yourself, wanted a different experience. What, did you want to turn that into a career? Did you want to be the next Adam Sandler?
1: So, I don't think I ever was aiming to become a professional comedian or a professional improv actor. But the reason why I wanted to do it was because I saw a lot of Whose Line Is It Anyway as a kid. And that's very short form improv. That's a lot of people's conception of improv, where it's like, you know, scenes from a hat and they take something out of the hat and it's like, you know, things you can say about your your boat but not your wife and all that kind of stuff. So it's very like, you know, quick, um, quick-witted improv. So I saw a lot of that as a kid and that's what made me want to do that because I wanted to perform on stage. Something I really enjoy is performing for people. Um, so I know that's actually one thing that I wish I had more of as a YouTuber. I wish there was more chances for in-person interaction because... Um, I love getting up on stage, um, doing an improv show. I've done a tiny bit of stand-up. I don't think I was great at that. But I, I like the instantaneous feedback that comes with performing in person. It's a little bit of a high. It's a little bit of a sustainable drug. And I think that's the big reason why I was attracted to improv, because it was something that I felt like I could get a kick out of. It's something I felt that I could do and perform. And it just looked a lot of fun.
0: I was uh I was just talking to some of my coworkers about how I wanted to try stand up. Um, I think it's I, for a lot of the same reasons. I think it's a cool art form. I don't know if I'd be great at it, but I think it would be fun to at least give a try.
1: I'm of the opinion that it is worth doing stand up at least one time in your life. It's it's it can be a fun experience. I really still don't have any idea what I'm doing because most of the time that I'd go up there, I'd have a loose outline and kind of just BS, you know? Um, I do have a couple of friends that do stand up a lot. A friend that kind of does it semi-professionally in the sense that he gets paid for it. Um, And it's definitely a very good skill if you want to become a better public speaker, a better presenter, a better host. I think um, if you are putting yourself out there as a person, it's a handy skill. And it is one thing that I would like to pursue more
0: uh what's uh this might be kind of a a dumb question because you'd stated that um, you're not really into technology or at least that hasn't been something you fanned over um but do you have an idea of what your dream
1: phone would be what would your dream phone look like gee so i don't really think about that so i guess i really do like technology so you know backtracking a lot in my life um you know i was fascinated with computers as a kid you know i never got in the hardware like you did but um my favorite thing to do after elementary school would be to run home and play games on the computer so i've always been i guess an excited end user i don't think i've really got in the uh, mindset where i've tried to dream up of what my favorite ideal phone would be um but just Off the top of my head, um, something with a ton of space, something with an amazing camera. I guess just very selfishly and very functionally for what I do. The phone that I'm thinking of right now would be just like the all-in-one content creation suite. So you would have a phone, it would have an excellent mic, excellent camera, a ton of memory because, you know, filming video, it does take up a lot of memory. Um, It would be incredibly stable or it would have, um, I guess stability correction software inside would have a ton of filters this is more related to the wi-fi but it would have you know very fast wi-fi speeds um and you know like some i mean this is this is going down a part of me this is going in the future a bit but you know If we could get apps on our phone that, you know, you could kind of scan it over someone as you're talking to them, and they could tell you, like, you know, where you know them from, what their age is, a few fun facts, you know, some augmented reality stuff, that would be awesome. That's a long-winded explanation of saying, I would love a phone that would really benefit my day-to-day life and make making videos easier and make social interactions easier.
0: My that uh, people are really into VR. You mentioned how you're just not, I'm not either. I think VR is a cool concept, but not necessarily the future. Augmented reality is where it's at. Mm -hmm. I think that's where, where technology really like blow people Mm -hmm. away. What has your experience been hosting live streams? I know that you do this every once in a while, um, but it's kind of like the right mix of like, you need the right equipment set up in the right way and the right audience. It kind of like, Blurs all of your lines. It's your real life and it's a digital life at the exact same time. I'm wondering like What you like about it and what you dislike about it um, in general.
1: So yeah streaming Very quickly became um, One of the big features of my channel as a youtuber when I started making youtube videos. I never planned on becoming a streamer But streaming ends up being a, a great way to connect with fans a great way to support myself financially, and a great way to perform for people, which I never really expected. I think one thing about live streaming that I wish there was, and this relates to a previous answer, but is that I would love for there to be a way to get more instantaneous feedback. Because when you are talking on a live stream, unless you have people there... In the same room as you or unless you're on a discord server or you're on a call you're basically talking to a screen and that starts off as being something that's very odd it's very unnatural to look at a screen and then talk to the screen and basically to a, an alien be having a conversation with yourself so, so that's an interesting hurdle to get over psychologically starting off as a streamer but. It ends up being a lot of fun because you aren't really talking to yourself at the end of the day. You're actually interacting with a lot of people, but you're the one that's leading the conversation. And I think really what streaming ends up being if you're not playing a game. Well, it still is if you're playing a game. It becomes a conversation with your audience. And you can really look through the comments and pick the thing that interests you the most or pick the thing that fascinates you the most and talk about it. So. I find it really fun because you can host a, basically a panel, a forum on whatever topic you choose and the audience has its own, I guess, input. It can influence how a stream goes and, it, and it's this very fascinating and fun exchange between content creator and audience. And I really love streaming. It's a lot of fun. I've met a lot of awesome people through streaming. And every time I do it, it's different. Even if the format's exactly the same, it, it never turns out um, the same way, and, and it's it's a ton of fun.
0: What's next for for Nas? What what can we expect to see from you in the in the future?
1: So I've gotten a lot of clarity recently in terms of where I want to be with my career. Um, I'm very very fortunate that YouTube is now my job. So the way I think of it is, I could be doing one of my previous jobs, like, you know, door-to-door sales or retail, I could be doing that. Or I could be doing something that I find a lot of fun and something that I really enjoy. So I'm very lucky that currently my job is YouTube and making content for the furry community. What I want to do in the future is I just want to expand the different types of content that I offer. So right now I have a YouTube channel that's very much in a niche and I want to expand that to just having a more mainstream channel so you'll be seeing videos like that with much more mainstream appeal coming out within the next month or so um, I also want to put out more music and appeal to a um, mainstream audience in that so basically just more content offerings um, I want to be a content creator as my career I, I see that for the next 10 15 years I want to be a creative and artist and I'm just very lucky that I have the. What, um, I'm very lucky that I have the avenue to do it. I, I have a, a roadmap. Um, YouTube is a job for me. And I just want to use my successes on YouTube and um, leverage those to help build uh, up other channels of content creation, whether that be starting on a Twitch and and getting my Twitch up, um, doing more mainstream videos on YouTube, doing more music. Um, I just want to make a ton more content. And the fact that I'm getting paid to do it is amazing and awesome. And you're just going to see a ton more of me.
0: Is there anything you wished I would have asked you?
1: Let me think actually. Um, I gotta think, um, might have to give me a good 20 seconds or so.
0: Really in the, in the job interview, what we were searching for was, is there anything that you're really trying to tell us, but you didn't get the chance to because we didn't ask you the right question?
1: I, I actually want to find out something from you. Is, does that count as a, as an answer? Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to find out where you're trying to go with uh, Tangerine Boost because that's an interesting Instagram page. And I, I want to see where you're trying to go with that. And I guess what brands are you trying to build? And where do you see yourself with, with all of your content creation between Tangerine Boost and Backside Bus?
0: That's a really uh, that's a really interesting question. Tangerine Boost, um, I don't know if you know the origins of the name, but Tangerine Boost comes from the color code. I'm really nerdy. Okay. Uh, but the color code for the car that I drive, which is Tangerine Scream, and it's a turbocharged car, so it's mm. boosted. That was Tangerine Boost. And really it was... Um, I changed my, the name away from just Sam, which is my name, my name. I changed it from just Sam because I, I wanted to, I wanted others to find my content. So like if they saw that the name was related to um, that specific car, then maybe they would um, want to follow, Mm -hmm. but it's really my personal Instagram. I don't really do anything with it other than like random bullshit. It's my everything uh, account. I don't have any plans of growing that or making it a bigger thing. Uh, I just want to, to that to be my persona as it were in social. And it's really convenient because no one else uses it. Like I'm not going to show up to a platform and type in Tangerine boost. Right. Someone
1: else have already. Right. Yeah. It's great, but it's great to have um, unique branding for that reason. And one thing that I did when I came up with Nos Hyena, which is the furry name and the pseudonym that I go on online as, is I checked every single social media website to make sure that that no one grabbed it. And I grabbed the domain name. I, I definitely wanted to protect that branding. Um, and actually, I just came up with a um, an answer to the previous question, which is, um, I wish you asked me about, I guess, just any advice on anyone who wants to grow a following or do content creation as um, their profession or if they want to take it more seriously? Because I feel like that's an area where I could add, you know, a decent amount of value having tried and failed and then somewhat succeeded.
0: It's, yeah, it's it's an area that I struggle with. So what advice would you have for others um, and myself included? Backside Bus is one mm-hmm. of those that's trying to gain a follow
1: So the most practical advice I can give in terms of growing an online following is use your existing social networks. So everyone already has at least 100 friends on Facebook, if you're lucky. But I would say a majority of people have at least 100 friends on Facebook. Um, Get comfortable with the fact that you're going to be putting yourself out there. And don't mind spamming your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed. Or whatever social media websites you on with your content, because that's going to be that initial push in terms of growing a following. Because I have to say, the hardest part of any social media online following journey is getting that first five hundred followers, the first thousand followers, going from having followers who are just your um pardon me, going from followers who are just your own friends to having people who are now your fans. So I encourage anyone who's trying to grow their own brand following to start advertising your own friends, and then also, you know, when you were starting off, um, taking just the startup approach to growth, where where take a company like Airbnb, you know, um, they started off with a growth target of let's just say in the ballpark of one percent every week or something. So you just go out there and you try and grow your following by 1% every week. And of course, over time, that exponentially grows. And that's where you start to get creative. So if you have a car Facebook page or a car Instagram page, I would go on Facebook groups related to that car or related to that hobby that you have and post your content there. You've got to be not afraid to advertise yourself to get to that first 500,000 followers because that's how you're going to over a... I guess, a bunch of cumulative effort. That's how you're going to go from having people who are just your own personal friends following you to having fans and strangers from around the world following you. Because once you get to, I guess, a point of having a larger following, that's when the growth kind of feeds itself because now the algorithms on YouTube or Twitter, they're seeing there's a lot of activity on your page or on Instagram. Once you get to a decent number of followers, I'm talking the thousands, that's when the platforms start to work for you. You're kind of really swimming against the tide in your first thousand followers or so, and that's why you've just got to kind of basically hustle to get there. So that's that's probably a good piece of practical advice. Just don't be afraid to advertise yourself and don't be afraid of that rejection. You kind of just have to put yourself out there and, and um, just expose yourself to new audiences as much as possible.
0: I, f- I feel, I have a tendency, and I'm sure others do, uh, to feel a little guilty um in mm-hmm. advertising yourself right mm-hmm. like uh, it's way easier to be a small person in a corner and not bothering anybody right right than to ask people to like pay attention to you because like what if they judge you it's another like scary right
1: thing, and right? actually a cost of entry of having a following is the fact that people are going to form opinions of you and it's very surreal at first when someone who you don't know has an opinion of you but if you're trying to become a content creator, that's naturally going to happen. When you put yourself out on the internet, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing uh, Gary Vaynerchuk here, but um, people won't get the full context of who you are. And that's just something that you have to accept. So I remember um, first advertising my furry videos on Reddit and basically being extremely anxious about the fact that, oh, what if someone downvotes this? Or what if someone dislikes this? Or what if I get a hate comment? But at the end of the day, if um, content creation is something that you want to do or take more seriously, that is a necessary part of the process. Um, Putting yourself out there, being vulnerable. And if someone is negative towards you, you kind of have to learn how to roll with that punch um, because that is the cost of entry of um, being essentially a public figure. Well, I I
0: really want to thank you again for taking the time and... Uh, speaking with me i really do appreciate it um i had fun hopefully you did as well um everyone go check out nos hyena where he is nos where can they find you again so
1: on youtube twitter instagram tiktok facebook i am n-o-s-h-y-e-n-a that is n-o-s-h-y-e-n-a So just search Nos Hyena and you will find me there. So like nitrous oxide or the the car turbo boost thing.
0: Awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks. Thanks for joining Thank you, Sam. And
1: I'd love to be back on at some point in the future.
0: Awesome. I'll have to take you up on that.